Welcome everyone to the Healing Place Podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock. Excited to have you here with us, listening in, and also excited to have another wonderful guest. I will be doing some introductions in just a moment, but just wanted to welcome you here first to this space filled with motivation and inspiration and healing stories. Hi, welcome everyone to the Healing Place podcast. So today I am super excited to have with me Christina Bechtel, who is a social worker in the Wisconsin area. So welcome, Christina. Hi, thank you. I'm very excited to have you here with me. So tell me what it is um, that you do uh, in your field. Yeah, so I work for uh, La Crosse County. I work for a program called the Comprehensive Community Services Program. Um, My role is to work with individuals who have been diagnosed with a mental health disability, and then um, I work with them to, um, you know, identify, you know, certain goals that they may have in their life, whether that's employment or housing or um, getting counseling, and then I get them connected to different resources within the lacrosse community that will help them to reach those goals. Um, So I do that. I've been doing social work since... Um, well, I graduated in 2014, I think. I've actually kind of been doing social work since about 2011. That's when I started working with um, the homeless population and then um, graduated with a double major in social work and American Indian Studies and then um, just right away started working um, with clients and then um, just a little under two years ago I started at La Crosse County. Um, so it's pretty much been the homeless and mental health populations. Um, but what I've kind of been working on in the last couple of years is really trying to, um, you know, perfect my social work practice by being um, as mindful of the experiences that my clients have been through um, that has kind of led them to the position that they're in now. Um, and one of the things that I've come across is trauma-informed care. Um, So I've really been trying to um, not only practice trauma-informed care within my own social work practice, but also share my experience um, with other social workers and other helping professions, um, because it's not just social workers. There's so many people out there who work with clients, whether you're a peer support specialist or you're a um, case manager, a housing case manager. um, So I really have just been trying to reach out to as many people that will listen to me about my experience um, and then what I'm doing to try to promote trauma-informed care within the, um, within the social work field. Yeah, and what you just said is so important and so critical to know that it's not just about, trauma-informed care isn't just about, um, you know, within a, within a mental health setting because one of the things that I've talked about is I went to a... Um, a uh, a trip or a speaking in a writing seminar down in Orlando, and when I had called about getting a room, the person who had answered the phone originally had said to me, "Well, because um, I asked how tall is the building, and they said um, six floors. Well, I have one of my triggers is heights um, for my mm-hmm. trauma history, mm-hmm. and so I said." Ooh, is there any way I can request a lower floor? And she was, the girl who was on the phone said, um, 
you know, well, I'll put it in the notes and, um, you know, when you get there, if they have a room available. And I thought, well, if they don't have a room available, I'll end up sleeping in the lobby because I'm not going to be able to go up and down those elevators and blah, blah, blah. So I sent, I just sent off an email and said, hey, you know, here's my story. Here's my history. Here's my needs um, to the management at that particular resort. And the response I received was so amazing and so beautiful and so trauma-informed. Um, they went ahead and reserved my room ahead of time. Um, I mean, and, and they just, it was just a beautiful thing to witness. And I thought, oh my gosh, if only the whole world could respond in this way. Um, mm -hmm. To be cognizant of, yeah, what you just said, a person's history, where they've come from, where they are currently. You know, um, I know one of the things I had read on your bio was, you know, you're working with addictions. Well, you know, there's such a social stigma with addictions, but what's that person's history? What led them to this place um, and where they are? So, yeah, very cool that you're out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's actually one of my biggest talking points is that, you know, it's all well and good to use trauma-informed care when you're <clears throat> at work working with your clients. But really, trauma-informed care is actually something that should be universally practiced. Even, you know, when you're going to the grocery store and you're talking to a cashier or your neighbor or your mailman or anybody in your life that could potentially have trauma and you don't know that, you don't know what their history is because they're a stranger, but, you know, you could inadvertently do something or say something that could potentially trigger their trauma. And so it's important that you really kind of approach like your whole life, your whole social experience that this person could potentially have trauma. So I'm really going to think about what I say before I say it. Is it kind? Is it thoughtful? Is it, you know, it's, it, it's so easy to be nice to people. You know what yes. I mean? It's, it's right. just, I know it doesn't always seem that way, but you don't know if the reason that the, you know, cashier at McDonald's that's, you know, <laughs> giving you the stink eye and you are just talk, thinking about what a, you know, horrible person they are and why are they even in this service if they don't want to talk to human beings. But really, there might be something behind that. You know, they might be having a lot of anxiety because of something that happened in their past and they just got triggered and you don't know that. And if you get angry with them and maybe you start yelling at them, then you're actually making things even worse for them. So, um it it would be it's important that you really approach a universal um you know universally with everybody that you just you practice trauma informed care it's yes. not just it's not just something you do at work it's not just something you do at school with your students if you're a teacher it's something that you should practice every single day anytime you come into interactions with sure. anybody yeah it's just, just it's just like how we should live um, is respecting, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, respecting people's story and respecting their truth. So, yeah, I love that. Beautiful. So why why are you so passionate about this subject? What What is it about it that, um, you know, has, has fired you up? Yeah. So that actually kind of starts from uh, childhood for me. I, um, I grew up in a family that was not so nice. They were... <clears throat> Um, they were just very, they were very mean-spirited people. You know, I kind of tell people that I came out of the womb with my arms open, ready to love everybody and just wanting everybody to love me. I mean, from the, from my earliest memory, all I can think of is that I just wanted to have fun and laugh and I wanted everybody to love everybody and 
the people that um, you know my my biological parents and my and my siblings were the polar opposite. They were just kind of um, mean spirited. They they liked to play jokes on people that you know left somebody feeling really negative about themselves. And um, there was a lot of um, internally within the family. There was a lot of physical abuse. There was a lot of emotional abuse. Um, and basically for the first, like, seven years of my life, um, I really just had a, a difficult time. Um, you know, I I kind of spent a large portion of my childhood living in the bathroom because um, when I was a very little girl, um, my parents never potty trained me. So, you know, I, I wet the bed a lot. And so their response to that, as opposed to teaching me the right way to to go to the bathroom was, well, then you just get to sleep in the bathroom from now on. And, you know, then after that, everything became, you know, my life was that bathroom. I slept in that bathroom. I stayed in there day after day. You know, there, we were a very poor family, so there wasn't a lot of food. So if, you know, one kid was going to go without food, it was going to be me, you know. And, And I really think now that I've had a lot of counseling and time to process about why that happened, um, I think what I've come to the conclusion of is that I was just, it was so evident that I was not supposed to be a part of that family. I was nothing like them. They were all very much on the same page about how to treat others, and I was in a completely different ball field. And I think that really came out whenever they had to interact with me. Um, So it wasn't until I was um, seven that the physical abuse became so bad that, you know, social workers and counselors really started to pay attention, and I was removed from the home. Um, I was in and out of foster families pretty much the majority of my childhood. And then finally, at the age of eight, I was adopted to a family who was like, perfect. I mean, they were funny, they were loving, they were good people, they were just, um, I, I, I like to tell people really what happened is that I was given a second chance at a childhood. Like, wow. there were so many people out there, so many adults and, and teenagers and children who weren't given the opportunity I had to get out, and they, um, you know, were forced to live in, in those unhealthy homes their entire life. Um, and then, you know, continue to have to deal with that, um, those people in their lives. I was fortunate enough to get out, and um, I ended up having the opportunity to move forward with my life and have a, a real childhood filled with laughter and love and playful and, um, you know, had an opportunity at getting an education. And I just kind of took all of my the bad feelings from my childhood and I just kind of buried it because I didn't want to deal with it. You know, as far as I was concerned, I had gotten out, why dwell on it? And that worked for me for quite a while. And then all of a sudden, a lot of that trauma started to come up. There was a lot of triggering. Um, I started, you know, when I reached my teen years, 17, 18, um, I started having a lot of bad feelings, a lot of uh, feelings of unsafety, um, stuff like that, and so my response to that was to, you know, again, bury it down, but bury it down with things like alcohol and, right. and drugs and, you know, not talking about it, dealing with it, um, you know, unhealthily by, you know, self-harm and, and stuff like that, and then, you know, I probably wasn't until I was about 24, 25 that I'm like, okay, well, this isn't working because here I'm still unhappy, but now I have all of these 
you know, bad decisions I've made that have now developed into barriers for, you know, future career options. So, for example, you know, I was, I got two OWIs in less than a month because, again, my, my response to stressful situations was not to actually handle it. It was to just drink. And I didn't realize that those stressful situations were brought on by the trauma that I had that I had not um, talked about it wasn't a normal thing for me. It was just bury everything and move on. Um, so these were barriers that I have to overcome now because of these bad decisions I made in dealing with my trauma. Um, as I, um, after I graduated, oh, I, I guess I should say, I did eventually go to counseling. I did eventually do it the right way, and I was able to work through a lot of what happened to me in my past. Um, I was able to put things into perspective, and, you know, I was really doing a lot better. I ended up going to college, getting my four-year degree, um, started working in the homeless field, you know, figured out where my passion was, and then um, I started working for this organization called WestCap, um, just a tiny nonprofit organization, and it was my job to, um, well, first I worked with um, the Permanent Supportive Housing Program, being the case manager for um, chronically homeless individuals who had been diagnosed with a mental health disability, and eventually I changed um, programs from the Permanent Supportive Housing to the SOAR program, where I helped individuals, um, you know, who were homeless and um, diagnosed with mental health disabilities apply for Social Security benefits. And I kind of had a lot of time. I mean, it was a good program, and I was busy, but I still had a lot of time to fill in. So my supervisor just, you know, sent me an email one day and said, hey, you know, we've decided that we want to make WestCap a trauma-informed agency, and we would like you to work with, um, you know, me and then my other supervisor in finding out what we need to do to become trauma-informed. And one of the things that we learned we needed to do was to attend trauma-informed care trainings. And so I started attending. I really didn't know what to expect. But then all of a sudden, as I'm going to these trainings and all this stuff, I'm learning so much about me. I'm learning so much about my trauma and that what I went through and how the decisions I made in my life were a result of that trauma. And, and then it really put things into perspective for me with my own clients. You know, I was starting to see certain things they were saying or doing. And I was like, right because of this trauma you faced, you know, and, and it's really like you, you can't understand why someone is where they are unless you understand where they came from, yeah. and that's exactly what I was learning, yeah. and once I, you know, started um, learning more about trauma-informed care, I just kind of took off with it. I started immediately incorporating it into my own social work with clients and noticing the difference of how they responded to me and noticed the difference in their... Um, motivation and, you know, how I talk to them and how that really worked as opposed to, you know, getting frustrated with somebody because of something they said or a reaction they had. I understood why that reaction was happening. So then I was able to adjust my approach to them, which really made just everything better for both them and me, a lot more effective. So then after that, I decided, well, I feel like everybody needs to know this. So right. I just kind of started putting my... Um, workshop proposals out there, and I started to train other people in what I had learned through the WestCap trainings that I had um, helped create, and it's just, it's so empowering to see, just, it's just the idea that 
these social workers and peer support specialists and, you know, anybody in the helping profession can, can just learn that there's so much, there's so much hidden underneath. You know, a lot of people, if it's not, and, and I too was guilty of this in my early social work years, if it's not a physical disability, if you can't visibly see the disability, it's hard to remember that there is one under there. And trauma is, it, PTSD can be such a real disability. Um, a lot of times you, you, if you see somebody who's been diagnosed with um, borderline personality disorder, that person likely experienced a lot of trauma in their life. Right. You know, so if you can have that view of it, it really will go a long way to improving your interactions with your clients. Yes, well, and, and I have a diagnosis of CPTSD, and I tell you what, I went through EMDR therapy, um, and what a life-altering experience that was. I mean, um, you know, that shifted everything. But what it, the thing that I really found interesting that you talked about, you know, when you, it, it's amazing when God or the universe, however you want to look at it, holds up this mirror to you because I started working in the um, mental health field with kids. And um, these were kids in, in a school setting, um, elementary age. And trauma-informed care was just starting to come onto the scene. And so I was starting to have more exposure to, you know, um, you know, doing um, continuing education and that kind of stuff in this. And it kept, it kept surfacing. And, um, and I was just, all of a sudden, I was just amazed because here I was working with these kids in a mental health capacity and um, recognizing things in them that, about myself and um, it was soon after that that I, I started the the EMDR therapy and it, it really was amazing like how I was able to re relate to myself through recognizing these things once I started to tap into you know being aware of um, history I guess is the best mm -hmm. way to put it mm -hmm. so yeah very cool yeah. Um, so if you could reach as many people in the world with your message, you know, if you could take it global, your workshops and so forth, who, who do you want your target audience to be? I, I really think everyone, because even if you're not in a helping profession, I mean, you could be doing anything. You could be in construction work. You could be an IT guy. You could, you could be, um, again, working at a grocery store, it really doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your profession is. Trauma-informed care is something that can be used by anyone to anyone. You know, it's, it's you just don't know. I, I had a, um, I had, so if you remember, I, I talked earlier about how um, in dealing with my trauma, I did some self-harm, you know, you, you kind of play with, well, what's going to make me feel better sure. um, before you figure out what really is going to help you, which, you know, could be anything from medication to therapy to talking it out with friends, processing it. Um, but in the meantime, you're trying to figure out, you're making the, the poor decisions that, you know, you're discovering aren't working. But so um, I tried the whole self-harm thing, and I have these scars on my arm because of it. And, and these scars have always been a source of shame for me just the idea that I that I thought that that could work and and every time I see it you know I, I kind of am, am just 
wishing I hadn't done it. Now I understand why I did it. Now I don't look at it with shame because I understand. But for a lot of years, I really struggled with it. And um, I had a situation quite a few years ago. Um, I had a coworker of mine um, who was also, you know, a, a case manager. And, and this, this woman is absolutely amazing. She's one of the best social workers I've ever met. The, her ability to show compassion and empathy to her clients is just astounding. And she is just, like, she is somebody that I always think about when I, when I'm working with my clients. Just, I kind of try to tap into, you know, how she was with them. And, you know, even outside of social work, she was such a, she is such a fun, wonderful person. We were outside, we were taking a break one day, and we were just kind of, you know, talking and laughing and having a good time, and all of a sudden she sees my arm, and she says, oh, you're not one of those idiots who did that to yourself, <gasps> are you? Oh and I was, God. and I was so like taken aback. It was like, you know, I've had people before make comments about it, but nothing like that. Nothing where I had been accused of being an idiot. And so I immediately told her that it was an accident from when I worked at the pizza place, and it was from the oven. And I, you know, of course I lied about it because how do you then right. re respond with, "Yep, I sure am." You know what I mean? Now, if this, if this person had known about my trauma history, if she had known about my childhood, there's no way she would have ever asked it like that. I know this woman. She would have never said something like that. But I don't go around introducing myself like, hey, I'm Christina Bechtel. By the way, I had this horrific childhood. You know what right. I mean? So how, how could she have known that? But that's the thing is that you don't know. You will you never know who you could be talking to that has a history and you say something that you think is completely innocent that actually is really triggering. So, I mean, my message needs to go out to everyone. You don't know who you could be coming into contact with that may have trauma that could be triggered. So just practice safety precautions. Sure. Just have universal trauma-informed care for everybody you come into contact with. Wow. Well, I am so sorry that happened to you. And yes, what, what a beautiful message to put out there because it is so very true that we just don't know. We just don't know anyone's history. You know, again, I've had people say to me, you know, my nickname is Glitter Shitter. And... Um, you know, they'll hear my story and go, oh my God, like you don't, you, you're always smiling and you're always so happy. They, I mean, because you're right. I don't introduce myself. Hi, Terry Welbrock, you know, and here's my horrific history. Um, mm -hmm. right. It's, it's, uh, but, but the beauty of that also is, um, you know, thank God you were a strong enough person and you already knew, um, you know, you had learned a lot on your journey, but imagine if you hadn't been. Um, mm -hmm. And she said something like that to someone who who wasn't as informed as you are um, in trauma sensitive. So, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. Um, any myths or facts that you want to clarify for listeners regarding any of these subjects? Um, I guess what I would say is, you know, trauma is different for everyone. Not everybody who's experienced trauma is going to have, you know, these, um, not everybody that has trauma is going to deal with it negatively. You know, they're not going to make the same decisions I made where they use alcohol to suppress their pain. They're, they're, if you, if you were to find out that somebody had trauma, don't assume that their life is a shit show. Sorry. Right. No. Um, 
because it's it's different for everyone. Yeah. Trauma yeah. is universal. It can happen to anyone. It can be anything from, you know, my situation where it was, um, you know, happened from early childhood. Um, it could be somebody who gets into a car accident. It could be um, a natural disaster. It could be historical trauma. Like there are so many different forms of trauma that one can have, but we all deal with it differently. So really keep in mind that, you know, it's not cookie cutter. Right. There's so many different kinds of trauma and there's so many different ways of approaching. But again, just want to stress it, universal precautions. You yes. just, the, the best approach is just, it could be really bad. So let's not test the waters. Right. Right. Um, other myths. What were you going to say? I was just going to say one of the reasons I, I ended up getting my degree in psychology, and one of the reasons was my mom had been through two bank robberies, um, one of which a gun was held to her head, and then I went through two bank robberies. She had been in banking, I went into banking, and, and a gun was held to my head in, in one of the robberies, and then one of my coworkers mm -hmm. was murdered. But I was fascinated by the fact that I crumbled. I started to have severe mm -hmm. panic attacks. I started to have anxiety. I became agoraphobic. Like, I I completely fell apart. But my mom was just like, you know, it was all about God and all about Jesus and all about faith and all about... And I thought, God, why, why, why did I fall? And so I was fascinated, you know, and now I've come to realize that you know, my mom's history of growing up, she did not experience nearly what I had experienced. But she also had, you know, she, she just handled things in a different way based upon her history, her, you know, chemical makeup, her personality than I did. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was that was another one of those, you know, learning things as I write my book and I talk about it, you know, that we don't just because two people might go through the exact same experience. One may seem like they're handling it okay, and but mm -hmm. the other one may be crumbling. Well, you know, the one who's crumbling may then learn how to process it, get through it, and, and be okay. Well, the one who seems like they're handling it may okay may be suffering horribly because, like you said, they just kept, they keep bearing it down, bearing it down, and, and eventually yeah. it's going to come to the surface. Eventually it's going to explode. Or they did process it. They were able to process it, and they are okay. So we just don't mm -hmm. know. We just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So you were going to say, were there any other myths or facts to clarify? Um, I'm just looking over my Oh, no, that's okay. I don't think so. It's just, you know, it's universal. It happens regardless of age. Um, it's, it doesn't discriminate. Trauma can happen to anyone. And, um, yep, like I said, not everybody reacts the same way. Um, I know in my case, um, I, I know some social workers who work in CPS who kind of had similar um, childhoods that I do, and, you know, they grew up with this passion to help kids, so nothing like that ever happens to them again. You know, they ran right. towards what their trauma was. They ran towards it, whereas I know that if I were to work in CPS, there is no way that I could be partial. I mean, I... I know that that would be way right. too difficult for me because I, I think I would probably see myself in every kid and maybe that's not there. So, you know, it just, it, it affects everybody differently. So it's important to remember that. 
That is so very true. I was going to get my PhD in child psychology, and then I took, I was at the University of Cincinnati, and I took a child abuse course. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> I yep. cried and cried. I cried during class. I cried doing homework. I cried. I barely made it through that class. And then I just made a left turn and said, oh, hell no. There's no way I can yep. go into. Now, I did eventually end up working, you know, with kiddos in a mental health agency. And I, and then I ended up leaving that. Um, it was it was so overwhelming for me emotionally. Again, I would I would be driving home from work, you know, from a day with a kiddo, and I'd call my own kids who were you know early twenties, late teens, and be like, oh my god, you know, crying to them, and they'd be like, mom, <laughs> you know, it's okay because I would just be so overwhelmed with emotion about it. Um, so yeah, I so mm-hmm. knew myself well enough, but I I find it fascinating. Oh, do you find it so? I mean, fascinating and cool that so many of us who had trauma history as children end up in the helping professions and end up mm-hmm. saying, we are going to work with people, whether it's children or, or adults or, or, you know, addictions or whatever it is, that we, we're going to do whatever we can to help them not have to hurt like we did. Um, I just, I just find it how many people in the helping profession that I worked with personally, or that I know that still work in the, in the helping professions have trauma history. It's just, it's just fascinating to me. So, and I think that it can be helpful. I I do think people that have had trauma experiences themselves, that it can help them with their, um, with their interactions with clients but I mean that in no way that in no way means that if you don't have trauma that you wouldn't make a good social worker or or any like I said any helping profession um so I think that actually is another myth that I would probably say is like just because one doesn't have trauma doesn't mean that they can't do the job so I mean it's you can you can be people, just as good. Right. People, I mean, people are empathic or compassionate souls by nature, whether they've been, um, you know, through trauma or not, um, and mm-hmm. certainly are going to be very gifted in what they can offer to clients. Yeah, I agree with that. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Um, so what, what resources have you utilized? You know, you talked about um, how you learned so much as you went, as you created the program and went through the program with a coworker. Um, anything else that you've you've utilized or come across that um, has been helpful? Well, so um, so I'm in Wisconsin, so I don't know where all the viewers are listening from, but I one of my biggest um, resources that I use is the Wisconsin Department of Health Services, um, and you can pretty much find a Department of Health Services in any state. So I imagine you know you would have similar resources, but um, our director of um, trauma informed care in Wisconsin is the is Scott Webb, and Scott Webb um, sends out this email almost every week that provides different, um, like, uh, websites or notices, um, articles, webinars. I mean, he sends just this list of different resources that you can access um, that are being, you know, new studies that have come out, stuff like that. And what I did was I just went to the Wisconsin Department of Health Services website and looked under trauma-informed care, and then it, it gives you the opportunity to subscribe to that newsletter. I would suggest, you know, if you live in Wisconsin, check that out. That is is just an amazing plethora of resources. Um, but also, if you live in a different state, try it out too. See what your Department of Health Services has to offer. Um, 
Otherwise, there are tons of websites out there. Literally, if you just Google trauma-informed care, it'll come up with a ton of um, resources for you. Um, somebody that I have um, listened to multiple times, her name is Tony Arcane, um, T-O-N-I-E. R and then Kane is spelled K A or I'm sorry C A I N. She has just an amazing message um, to give to people. I would highly suggest looking her up. She has um, this movie out and this book out called Healing Mean. Um, healing spelled that way, and then Mean is um, N E and she just has an amazing story that was you know what I. I heard as I was starting my trauma-informed care journey and has been absolutely life-changing for me. So I would say if you get the chance, look her up because she's absolutely amazing. So Very cool. I, well, I just wrote her name down too, and so I will I will be mm-hmm. looking her up. ACES Connection, where I think we connected, is also mm-hmm. reminds yep. me of what you were talking about with Scott Webb in that um, I love it that there's so many resources, so many articles and I mean you know it can be scientific it can be real life it can be you know from a therapist's point of view it can be from a survivor's point of view um just an an incredible community um around you know and now that obviously is aces you know concentrated as far as you know like adverse childhood experiences but I do think we see on there some trauma-informed care and some trauma uh beyond just childhood trauma so, which is cool. Right. Very cool. Yeah. I love it. Um, all right. Uh, my favorite question that I always ask everybody, um, and I think you and I had, had messaged back and forth about it. So, if you could meet anyone in the world, dead or alive, <laughs> who could help you with, you know, your passion and your mission, who would it be? <laughs> okay. So, yeah, you're right. I did. I thought a lot about this question. Um, and... Okay, so I am not like this huge art fan, but I do love Salvador Dali. And part of the reason I love him is because, so he's a surrealist artist, and he does these pictures where it doesn't matter how many times you look at them, every time you look, you see something else that you didn't notice before. Um, there's one, there's one specific one I'm thinking of, Swans Reflecting Elephants. If you get a chance, look at it. It is absolutely amazing. Um, but I, I think it really, his work, I think, speaks to me the most because I kind of feel the same way. Like, again, you can look at somebody and you can see a lot on the outside, but there's so much going on on the inside that you don't know until you maybe get to know that person or, or, you know, talk to them more to realize, wow, there's so much more there than I didn't even realize. So I've decided my answer to that question is Salvador Dali, because I'd really love to ask him, like, what are you thinking in your head? Yeah, I just, <laughs> I just are, pulled it up. When you I are, just... well, he's passed now, but yeah, yeah. if That's I could, I would, really I would cool. meet with him. <laughs> How weird that, I mean, I've never seen this painting before. Um, I just pulled it up, <laughs> popped it up on my phone as we're talking, and I was like, oh, I want to look at this. And so, yeah. oh, my gosh, that is that is just so beautiful. And I, I yeah. get what you're saying, that, yes, you know, what you, you see. Do you see, what do you see, swans or elephants? I saw elephants at first, and I had to look okay. for the swans. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, yeah, and I'm sure if you look, you know, there's some kind of something out there that says what it says about you if you see swans versus the elephants. But, you know, I don't care about all that. I just, it's so, 
his work is such an enigma. I just, I could look at his work all day long. Oh my gosh, and like I do, because I have I'm, some of his stuff in my office. So yeah, anytime I need a break. <laughs> yeah, this is really cool. Well, thanks for introducing me to this. Now I just saw a goat. So who knows what that means? That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love this kind of stuff. And I, and I love that poetic, like I get it, that, that it, there's just a poetry to um to the art itself it's not just a piece of art yes um there's something Absolutely. very profound and poetic and beautiful and deep about it so very cool well thanks for that mm. great answer yeah all right Woo-hoo. all right last question <laughs> what is your dream yep. job and are you currently doing it oh honestly my dream job is to to do trauma-informed care presentations for a career. I would love to go around, you know, nationally, even outside of, of America, just spreading my message to everyone and kind of like sharing my personal story, explaining how I got to where I am and how, you know, trauma-informed care works. And the thing is, is that if, 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 you, if people could see me even 10 years ago compared to where I am now, there is nothing else. You, you can do anything you want to do. I would have never 10 years ago thought that in a worker, we're at a county level position, getting the opportunity to share my message with people, you know, in an effort to help, you know, their social work practice and their, um, you know, working with humans. So I just, yeah, I mean, I would love to do this for a living. I would love to just do this. I mean, I like my job. Don't get me wrong. Right. My job no, no, no. is really awesome. I, you know, I really enjoy my clients. I love my coworkers. I love working at, you know, La Crosse County. It's great. But, I mean, my passion really is in training people, is yeah. in, you know, sharing my message with others in the hopes that it can change not only the, their lives, their life, but the lives of their clients as well. Very cool. I, um, last October... Uh, was invited to speak in front of about 250 uh, mental health professionals or social and social workers, people in the field, at um, a trauma-informed care um, conference in northern Kentucky. And I spoke first for about 45 minutes sharing what I call my story of hope, and it was very powerful and very cool. Um, and the keynote speaker followed me, and um, it might, I don't know if you're, if you've ever looked at her website or anything, but it sounds like something she does what you want to be doing. It's Lisa Ferenz of the Ferenz Institute. It's F-E-R-E-N-T-Z. Um, she's written a number of books. I, I just pulled them out and they're on my lap. Ruby Slippers, um, or Finding Your Ruby Slippers, Transformative Life Lessons from the Therapist's Couch. Then the other one is Treating Self-Destructive Behaviors and Trauma Survivors, a Clinician's Guide. And then finally, letting go of self-destructive behaviors—a workbook of hope and healing. So, um, mm. yeah, very, very cool. She was an incredibly powerful keynote speaker, very knowledgeable, um, just brilliant, and helped me even understand even more about my journey and um, kind of like why I did some of the things that I did and or am doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and very cool, and, and, you know, she totally made my day because she just kept walking over to the table and saying, you know, Terry said this, and it so applies to this, and so it helped me realize that what I, the message I was sharing um, 
was relatable to what sh- the message she was trying to give out there. Um, so mm-hmm. we just, it just, it, they, they, they jived well together and that was really cool. Um, so yeah, so Lisa yeah. Friends, if you get a chance, go to the Friends Institute um, website and check it out and check her out. So Absolutely. Thank you for that resource. Oh, absolutely. Well, very cool. Well, it has been um, wonderful having you on air. Thank you for joining me. Is there, well, one, if there's, um, do you have a website? Is there any way, you know, if people want to reach out to you or get more information um, about what it is you do and what you offer in your courses, um, how they can get a hold of you? Absolutely. You could just email me at um, kbechtel, bechtel is spelled B-E-C-H-T-E-L, at lacrossecounty.org. And I would love to, you know, any opportunity I get to talk to people, again, um, even even if it's just talking, you know, brainstorming resources, if it's, you know, presenting, I would love to do that. Um, yeah, I would say just email me. Okay. I do not have any kind of a website, though. I'm not nearly that cool. <laughs> That's so cool. That's good. Um, all right. Well, and anything else that you want to touch on before we before we close out? I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. Yeah, it's great. And you you had asked about the audience. Um, we're we're all over the place. As a matter of fact, last time I looked, we had been uh, downloaded in. Um, oh. I, I want to say 12 countries, but I think we jumped up to 13 different countries. So Japan, Australia, oh um, Germany. So it's, it's, it's just kind of neat to think, you know, oh, my gosh, somebody, you know, on the other side of the world is, has listened in. So, yeah. Very no cool. kidding. It's a good thing you didn't tell me that before we oh, started. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. And um, I'm going to do a little close out here. So everyone, thank you for joining us today. And until next time, remember to be gentle with yourselves. Take care.